You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 347 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are I'm you, great, Gina? Val. Super excited about this week's episode, Get Off Auto and Start Shooting in Manual Mode because, you know, there are so many people out there that are afraid to switch over to yes. manual mode and continue to shoot in auto and, and that fear, mm. uh, they, they end up, you know, just shooting the same sort of stuff where it's actually a lot easier than a lot of the blogs and, and uh, tutorials that you see out there will lead you to believe. Like everyone for some reason has this, ooh, shooting in manual mode is so highly technical and so difficult. It's not, and I reckon I can, um, for those of you who uh, have been afraid to give it a go, by the end of this episode, you're going to be shooting in manual mode. It's that easy, Val. Yes, and I can attest to that because I was one of those people who was scared of shooting in manual mode or I thought it was going to be too complicated and that I would have to invest ridiculous amounts of time. But when Gina explained to me the her approach on how to understand it, everything just clicked. Yeah. And it was such a valuable exercise and um, – and I think what I did was um, Gina has a course on how to get off your auto forever and master manual mode. And I went through that course and it just changed everything. So I'm really excited because we're going to just give you a tidbit of that in this episode so you can get started. Enough to get so where do you we start, started. Gina? All right. So there are... The cameras and the smartphones, I'm going to include smartphones, Val, because it's basically they've got great cameras in them as well, or so the phone manufacturers are going to lead us to believe that they're okay. They're still just okay in the smartphone cameras. Uh, cameras themselves, DSLRs, mirrorless, amazing. All the bells and whistles that you get these days, fantastic. So you've got massive files. You've got these uh, really sexy autofocus modes where they'll detect the face, they'll do eye detection and, you know, heaps of other little bells and whistles that they add on. The camera manufacturers basically add on every year so that the last model, like the phone manufacturers, suddenly you no longer want the last model because you want all these new bells and whistles that they uh, they add in, right? And this is fantastic mm -hmm. if you're happy to just create the kind of images that look like everyone else's. And what I'm also noticing is uh, there, there is a whole generation coming through that are like so used to sh shooting with smartphone cameras 
or they're using the DSLR or the mirrorless, but they're using them completely uh, fully automatic because it's just this, I just want to hurry up and get images out there. And instead of uh, taking control of the camera and learning how to adjust the settings so that you can create the images in your mind's eye, like creative images and control everything in the images, what a lot of photographers are doing is they'll shoot in auto and then they'll um, purchase or you know download or spend hours in post-production Val trying to get the images to look like they mm -hmm. were shot in manual mode. So like let's blur out mm. the background, let's add a warm filter, let's do all of that. So as a friend, listeners, I'm going to tell you because it's like, you know, when I was growing up there was lots of stuff that I thought was fantastic and then you kind of – uh, learn as you go along that there are better ways to do this. Like that, doing stuff, uh, shooting in, in automatic and then mucking around for hours in post to get something that kind of looks like it might have been shot in manual mode is a, a really um, mm. uh, long way and difficult way to go about it. You're creating all this extra work and then you're creating these images that still look just like everyone else's. So wouldn't it be better that you could have the freedom and the creativity to create the images that you've always dreamed of? And to do that, I believe it's shooting in manual mode where you've got complete control of everything. So when you shoot in auto -val, the camera decides yeah. everything for you, decides, it tells you where to focus, the f-stop. You, you mean Hans describes. Hans, we're going to get into Hans in a sec, but it's like everything is decided okay. by the camera. You may as well, like your involvement is in the framing and the decisive moment. So you decide mm -hmm. when to press the shutter and what you want to point the camera at, but the camera decides everything else mm -hmm. for you. When you shoot in manual mode, you control every step of the creative process you create the images you've always dreamed of so i think i've um i think i've put forward a pretty good um argument for why you would shoot in manual yeah. mode you know the camera has no way of not like they're smart the cameras are really clever i'm still waiting if you're listening camera companies i would like <laughs> Uh, a little bit of a massage, shoulder massage, when I'm doing a long, stressful shoot. Wouldn't that be great? And uh, I would uh -huh. like them to also uh, make coffee. That's it. That's what okay. I would like. I would be happy with that. But aside from that, when you think about it, the camera doesn't know what your intention is when you're shooting an image. It doesn't know. It's not that smart. So... Um, Auto modes, they're designed to give you an average. So let's talk about Hans now, Val. So there is a guy okay. yes, Hans. who works in the camera factory. Yes. His name is Hans. <laughs> and he programs yes. the cameras to do all of these amazing things. Now, what he's done lately is he's put autofocus sensors in the camera Okay, so you've got all these spots that um, ha the camera can decide. It's, it's smart enough to know when you're pointing it at something that goes, okay, I think the area of interest in this image 
is the person. So, you know, they know face detection, they know eye detection. So they'll tell you exactly where you want to focus. But what if you've got an image where you've got a person in the shot, but you had no intention of photographing the person. You're actually trying to get the the mural in the background, okay? The camera's already deciding what it is that you want. It didn't actually, and there's no way you can say, oh, no, sorry, I, I wanted to focus on the background, not on the foreground. You know, so what Hans does is he tries his best to create these images that are average. So so when you're looking at, a say, a scene where you've got the beach and the sky and the water and the sand, and you point the camera and you put it on automatic, Hans programs the camera to decide what the f-stop's going to be, what the shutter speed's going to be, and what the ISO's going to be, and where that camera's going to focus, and you'll get a generic shot, just like you do when you get your iPhone shot. So if you know you see people at a concert, they're all using the same smartphones, they're taking photos, everyone's images look exactly the same because there's no creative control. So it's perfectly fine. Like if you're just bought a camera today, this week, this month, even this year, I actually recommend that you get really comfortable holding that camera in your hand, carrying it around and focus on getting your compositions looking good. And it's perfectly fine to just shoot in auto because you want to get something in the frame, right? So you started shooting auto, Val. I started shooting in auto. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. You want to get that to, to that position where you're comfortable and you know what it is you're shooting and, and you know how to frame and compose your images. But when you want to go to the next level, you want to start taking control. So you'll notice that uh, on the camera itself, you've got all these different options. And so you can go fully manual or just a little bit manual, right? So we've got we've got uh, yes. we've got all these different <laughs> se- settings. So I'll just run through them quickly, just so you know. And there, are the, yes. some of these settings um, you're possibly already using. So there is A stands for. Do you want to take a stab, Val? A stands for the setting A on the camera. Yes, woo. <laughs> so. When you shoot in auto, what the camera does, Hans has programmed it so it analyzes the scene. It'll pick the best. Hang on, A does it? Does A stand yes, it for does, auto? Belle, it does. Okay. <laughs> it also stands for Apple, Aardvark. <laughs> but in terms of cameras, uh-huh. yes. A is for auto. <laughs> okay. Um, and uh, I've, I've had a tough week, yeah. everyone. I really have. I've told Gina about my tough week and it's been exhausting and it's been, I've had a very difficult week. So A, I'll forgive you, Val. A stands for auto. So basically <laughs> the camera analyzes the scene. It'll pick the best white balance. It'll choose the ISO. It'll also choose the shutter speed and the aperture based on this predetermined formula that Hans developed in the camera factory. So Hans here's is a busy, busy guy. guy. He's also very clever. 
but you can see how little control you have when you're shooting in auto. But again, perfectly fine when you're just starting out because the idea is you want to get sharp photos, you want to record something, and so you make sure that you get a, an image. And then as your confidence improves, you can you can go on to the next mode that the uh, that Hans programmed in, and it's called program mode P. So. I also call it um, pretend because you can kind of pretend that you <laughs> that you have a little bit of control here because what happens in P mode, program mode, is the camera sets the aperture and the shutter speed. You get to select the ISO and the white balance. So it's like it's like some of the training wheels come off okay. and you get a bit more choice over what happens, right? So that's pretty good. It makes yes. you it makes you feel like you've kind of got a little bit of creative control and it's like, you know, it's it's half and half. You still the camera's still doing most of right. the heavy lifting, but you so feel like is it just is it just one up from It's one up from auto. Auto, one down, one up from auto. All right. Yeah. The next yeah. one yeah. you've got is aperture priority mode. And that's A on most cameras yes. and just to confuse everyone, AV on a Canon. I don't know why Canon just want to be different, but they're, you know. But you just said A was auto. A is auto or it's a green square, right? Okay. Yes. So uh -huh. you've got A on most cameras, AV. We've also got 50 other kinds of cameras, but it's aperture priority mode and basically – um, aperture priority mode is like – did you learn to ride a bike, Val? Um, you really. didn't? <laughs> no. <laughs> little, just trying to, little Val didn't have like the little uh, pink bike with the streamers coming out the side, your basket in the front where you had your dollies and then you had the training wheels on the back and then one day the training wheels came off. Oh. I feel sad for little Valerie. <laughs> All right. Well, little Gina had um, had had so, that analogy didn't, didn't go, go so, so well. well. I had uh, a bike, a two wheeler bike, and I had training <laughs> wheels. Aperture priority is just like having training wheels on your camera. So really popular mode. Uh, a lot of enthusiasts, some pro photographers also use this. So basically, you get to set the f stop and the ISO and the white balance and the camera, Hans, will then program the correct shutter speed. So it's almost like shooting um, completely in manual mode, but there's like a safety net. You've got those um, training wheels on the side in case you uh, fall over. So it'll always, uh, having that aperture priority mode helps you from making mistakes. So it's a good idea to go through starting auto, then have a play with program mode, then go into aperture priority, and uh, you'll get a feel for what it's like to have more control over all the different settings. Then you've got another one, which is S, Val, and that's shutter priority mode um, on most cameras, unless you're a Canon. And in their wisdom, <laughs> they just went, yeah, so shutter priority, what's a good name for that that no one will ever confuse? Steve, what do you reckon? Let's call it TV. TV. That relates very closely to shutter 
priority, doesn't it? So it's S on most cameras, unless you're a Canon, we'll call shutter priority TV. Don't ask me why. Don't ask me why. I just Googled it. I just Googled it. It's because it stands for time value. Yeah, still stupid. Steve, (laughs) still dumb. If I was in that meeting, like Val, if you were in that meeting, what would you say? Steve, what's your suggestion? TV, what would you say? (laughs) <laughs> that's yeah okay fair enough yeah, right. I get your point. so um uh so it's good uh if you want to like why would you use this well if you want if it's important that you've got um shutter speed is your most important setting so it might be that you're shooting high speed sporting events where you want to shoot at like you know one eight thousandth of a second so you want to make sure that you constantly have that shutter speed set and then the camera will um compensate with the ISO and the aperture setting. Does that make sense? All right. Let's talk about, so that's those settings. So you can have a play around with that, but that's not why we're here today. We're here so that from here on in, in the next 15 or 20 minutes, you're going to go out, pick up your camera. And in fact, if you've got a spare second, just, just go and grab your camera now and um, sit yourself near a window Get your favourite uh, superhero doll out or just a vase of flowers or your pet or whatever you want and just practice as, as I'll walk you through these settings. It's really not that hard. And guess what? Mm. The world won't end. Your camera won't explode. <laughs> you won't explode. Um, and it's perfectly fine to take a shot and it could be overexposed. It might be underexposed. It might not be sharp. Now, One of the most important things that everyone needs to get over in this learning process, which is basically we're in the learning process for the rest of our lives, is it's perfectly fine. In in, in fact, it's super important to make mistakes and push those boundaries. And Val, when I'm working with uh, the, the members in the goal community, when we're working on lighting or getting off auto or you know composition or anything I actually encourage the gold members to um, not in this process it's like I don't care about pretty pictures in this state so when they're trying to learn lighting I'm like just get a styrofoam head show me your um, behind the scenes image show me your blank plate and show me the image of the styrofoam head and show me that you understand the concepts. And that's the same with, you know, practicing the focusing and also practicing uh, exposing, use shooting in manual mode, getting the exposure correct. It's like, it's not about the pretty pictures. It's about learning those drills. It's those exercises that we do. So like at the gym, you got to do your bicep curls and you got to do your lunges and you got to do them regularly. So it's like, pick up that camera and let's practice together, but don't worry about, you know, it's not today is not the day you're going to create the award-winning photo that's going to go in every gallery. Today is about uh, learning the technique and getting it right. Great. All right. So I like it. Um, we have, uh, so when you're in manual mode, Okay, you are in the driver's seat, okay, and you control everything. So it's a little bit like 
And the, and the fact, the reason that I say driving, it is kind of like at first, it's a little bit like when you were learning to drive or when you were learning any new skill. So I'm trying to think of what's the last completely new skill that you learnt, Val, that you had no idea before. Oh, Cook, cooking, something that um, like I've got like this is completely <laughs> out of my realm of experience. I, I know you did a course in sailing, but it's like I don't think you did enough to warrant <laughs> that. So, is there something that like? Oh, um, okay. So the first time you opened Illustrator, did your head not explode? <laughs> Exploded. exploded and so and I know how you learn you like to learn via mentors as well but the the first time someone explained even the like most basic thing again your head exploded and how exploded. how many times did that particular theory need to be repeated until then just one day you just went ah oh, and everything just clicks yeah. into place right so that's so, so true at first any new skill, so it might be driving, it might be like even when you won't remember this, Val, but like you did learn to walk at some point and the first time you walked, <laughs> it was overwhelming like because you'd, you'd get up and you go, I'm going to take a step. <laughs> this would be, I'm going to take a step and I'm going to be master <laughs> of the universe. I'm going to walk across that floor, right? But you take a step and what, yes, as a child <laughs> and what you take that first step and what happens generally you fall over and then you figure out that like after a few times of falling over, you figure out that it's easier if you walk over where there's something that you can hold on to, like you can, a couch or a table that you can walk around yeah. and then you get better and better. And then eventually you just do it on your own and you never think about it again. It's just intuitive. And then, <laughs> the the really sad thing is, have you ever been somewhere and you go, I'm walking, I'm walking really well, and then you fall over? <laughs> Could you think about it? <laughs> so so what happens? Why yes, you? I've done it. Um, so you're walking <laughs> and it's an intuitive thing. You don't think about it. The same with driving. The first few years you might think about where your hands are on the steering wheel, how many times you're looking in the mirror, when you need to change gears and brake. But after a while... I'm sure we've all had this experience where you've driven for an hour and you can't remember a single part of the driving because you weren't even in your body. You were like, it was just completely intuitive. Oh, okay. Yeah. Kind of scary when you go, I don't remember driving here. How did I do that? So, yes. so um, you've got this, when you get to a point where you've been shooting in manual mode for, you know, a month, a couple of months, and you keep doing it, it's going to become second nature to you. And all of these things that you go, oh, wait, oh, no, I need to change this. It's just going to all become second nature. And I promise it's so easy. Once you get it, you're going to love, love, love the results. So let's break it down, shall we? Yeah. So we've got Three things, basically, that we're dealing with with the camera. So, first of all, we're going to change the camera from whatever automatic or priority or aperture mode you've got it set on, and we're going to put it in M for manual mode or M for master, okay? Yes. And M. let's break M. down what each of the three things that we're able to control do 
and then I'm going to take walk you through how to do a shot completely in manual mode. So again, if your camera is handy, pick it up and join in. You might be listening at night, but you might have um, like a, a an area where there's a bit of light, like a desk lamp or something that you can light a little um, figurine or a vase of flowers or a bowl of fruit. It doesn't matter. It Anything doesn't, matter. doesn't matter. Okay, so... And also, I will say that um, for people listening, if you think that you know intellectually that obviously A or AV is for aperture and the other one is for shutter speed and the other one is ISO and all of that, and you understand it intellectually, that's great, but it's actually how they all relate to each other that is where the magic happens. And before, because I grew up on, like my dad gave me a camera when I was very little, um, I understood what those three things were, but and so I actually grew up in in technically shooting on manual, but not actually knowing what I was doing. I was just I knew what all the little functions were for, but I didn't really know how to think about how they all went together until I got Gina's explanation. So even if you know understand it intellectually, um, you may get some tips from what Gina's about to talk about. Anyway. Yeah, and so um, you can also follow along. I've got some photographic examples in the show notes. You don't need them, yeah. but if you want to just go back and, and have a look, like, you know, one of the first images I've, I've um, shared with you, and this is a classic example of the difference you will get when you shoot in automatic as opposed to manual mode. And so like in in, um, the first image, Val, if you look in the show notes, you see that I've got a girl uh, standing in a market, okay? And behind her is just uh, all the guff that's in the market. We've got people, we've got stands, we've got windows, we've got uh, lights that are hanging from the ceiling. And the first image is I shot, I just put my camera into auto mode and it did Hans, to his credit, like it's still really clever that I point this little box at this girl and it records everything that it's in front of me. So the girl is sharp. The background is also sharp and the image is kind of yep. correctly exposed because I've got light flooding in behind me to fill her face and her skin tone looks great, but it's a snapshot, Val, because everything in the image mm. is sharp. But if I then switch over to manual mode, because in my mind's eye, Val, I know that, okay, in the situation, the setting that this girl is in, behind her there is lots of depth and I've got all these lovely large windows with lots of light streaming into them and I've got like this large white area, but I've also got all these people that I don't actually want in the shot. They annoy me because my girl, my model, isn't the hero of the shot when I just shoot in automatic. What I want is my girl to be sharp and I want the, the background to support her as a background, but I want it to be out of focus. When I shoot in manual mode, I control every step, single step of the way and you can see the second image it's chalk and cheese, Val. And these are the sort of things that you miss out on when you're shooting in auto as opposed to shooting in manual, all right? So let's yep. get back to um, aperture uh, and uh, what it means. All right, so aperture. It's basically uh, when you look at a lens, 
all right, the aperture is a hole or an opening. That's just a sexy word for for hole or opening. And it like change your hole or opening just doesn't sound as good as open up the aperture, right? So I can see that there was some cleverness in the way that Hans decided to approach this and it does sound a bit more high-end to call it the aperture, but that's all it is. It's the, the hole in the lens where the light enters, okay? And you, okay. <laughs> so you can see... That I've also got in the show notes two examples um, of portraits. One where I photograph my model at f22, which means that the aperture, the hole in my lens, the opening in my lens is very, very small. It's tiny. And uh, and then the second image is I've shot the same person with an aperture of f2.8. And f2.8 means that the hole, the aperture in my lens is very large and it lets in more light. Now, there is a formula to why uh, f22, which is a bigger number, has a smaller hole and f2.8, which is a smaller number, has a bigger hole. I just don't know what it is, Val. And I don't think it's necessary (laughs) because I will bamboozle you with science and confuse myself and confuse everyone else. So I what it does is aperture controls how much of your image is going to be blurry or sharp, okay? So you select your f-stop based on how you want your shot to look. Now, this is to a lot of people doing photography backwards thinking because a lot of people let the camera determine the settings. I'm saying no. You determine the settings based on how you want your shot to look. So that's the Mm -hmm. first question we ask ourselves when we're shooting anything, okay? What do I want to achieve here? How do I want my shot to look? So let's imagine you're shooting a single person or a pet and you want the background to be blurry, okay? So I need to shoot with a wide open aperture, okay? And that's going to create this. If you want to create something where it's sharp all the way through, so let's say you want to create a, uh, a beautiful landscape shot, Val, and uh, you want everything in the image from the foreground to the background and everything in between to be sharp, then you need to shoot with a narrower f-stop, so higher number. Lower number, the blurrier the, the background is. Higher the number, the sharper the background is. You know, food and products, say you're shooting food and you've got um, some toast with some beautiful butter and Vegemite on it and you just want the edge of the the bread to be sharp and you want the rest of the image to throw out of focus, then what f-stop would you use, Val? Narrow or wide? Um, Wide. Wide, okay. Um, All right, so... A good way to remember this because people get confused about, oh, do I need a high number for my f-stop or do I need a smaller number for my f-stop because it's back to front. And I think Steve, who thought up AV, had something to do with this numbering system. It's just dumb. 
Okay, I know there's science behind it's it for true. all the we, – we have like um, lots of engineers and scientists that listen to this show. I don't know why, Val. Is it just because they can have a good <laughs> laugh <laughs> the way we explain things? I don't know. But I think it's the same guy that thought of let's do Aperture like this and let's call um, Shutter Speed Priority AV, same person. Okay, I've got yes. a better way to yes, remember – how to um, remember whether you want, you know, a blurry background or a sharp background. So imagine okay. that the numbers or the f-stop represent how many parts of the photo are going to be sharp. So when you've got a low f-stop like f2.8, f4, f5.6, you know, comparing that to F16, F22, you know that when you've got a smaller number, fewer items are going to be in focus. When you have a higher yep. f-stop, more parts of the frame will be in focus. And this is a really good rule of thumb so that you don't get confused between your aperture. The other thing is, um, and if you ever have a chance to take a lens off your DSLR or mirrorless camera and you can open the aperture on the, on, there's a ring on the lens that'll let, let you change the aperture from F, say 2.8 to F16. You'll actually physically see the opening, the aperture of yep. the lens open super wide when it's f2.8 it'll mm -hmm. just be this huge opening and it'll close down very narrow uh super tight when it's a, a narrow aperture okay so yep when it goes the number the low number fewer items in focus the higher number more mm. items in focus so if you want to shoot a portrait, That's a great way of it thinking is, about it. you know, it's a good way because people still to this day get confused. Even if you've been shooting for a few years, you'll mix those up. So if you want to shoot a portrait and you only want the eyes sharp, then you want to shoot with your smallest aperture number, okay, which is the widest open. And uh, if you want to do a landscape where you want everything in the frame sharp, then you want to be selecting a larger number for the f-stop, like f11, f16, something like that, to, to give you more elements of the frame are going to be in focus. All right? Does that make sense? Mm. Makes sense. Okay. I like it. So aperture controls how blurry or sharp your background is. That is aperture's superpower. The other thing yes. that Aperture controls is how much light gets onto the sensor. And because, so what's an Aperture valve? It's a, just another sexy name for? The hole. <laughs> <laughs> I think we just avoid saying hole altogether and we'll just say opening because <laughs> there's something really wrong down about hole. <laughs> Okay. okay so anyway, let's move on. Aperture is an opening, okay? And so yes. um, when the opening is large, just it's just obvious more light is entering through the lens and hitting the sensor. So the aperture controls how blurry or sharp the object is. It also controls mm -hmm. 
the amount of light that's hitting the sensor, okay? They're the two superpowers. Yes. Controls light, also okay. how blurry or sharp the image is. Shutter speed also controls light. So you imagine the shutter, we've got a couple of di- a few different kinds of shutters. We've got uh, electronic shutters and we've got mechanical shutters. I'll talk about the mechanical shutter uh, um, is real, like what happens when you press the button is there is a, a shutter which is like a curtain, opens and closes. In the time that it opens and closes, it allows light to enter and hit the sensor and, um, you know, record your image, okay? So that's the shutter opens and closes. In a, a electronic shutter, I've got no idea how it does it, but it, it virtually does it. And the same with an iPhone. It's kind of they simulate what happens, but it's the same principle, okay? So what you've got is when you have a very fast shutter, so... Um, I'm going to simulate this with noises, Val. So when you've got a very fast okay. shutter, and if it's a mechanical shutter, you'll hear it's fast, right? So, so if you can imagine in your mind's eye now, the curtains are opening and closing very quickly, right? Open, shut. In that time that it opened, like just imagine if you get up in the morning and you've got those roller blinds and you open them up and you look outside and you go, no, I drank too much, I'm hung over it, and then you close the blind again. <laughs> but in that moment that you open the yeah. blind and shut it again, there was like enough light just like splashed into your eyes to know that, no, I'm not ready to face the world, right? So fast mm. shutter speed, let's, still lets a little bit of light in, what it also does through the magic and the power of that in that time, the faster the shutter speed, the, the, the sharper the action is. So if you have a moving object, like and in the show notes I've got um, lemon being dropped into a glass of water, fast shutter speed, as I drop the lemon into the water, I shoot with a very fast shutter speed, like one one-thousandth of the second, right very quick and in that time the image is recorded and because the shutter speed is so fast it freezes all the action and so every single uh, droplet of water is frozen midair and the lemons are caught so if you're someone who likes to photograph action people dancing at a wedding um, people running people riding bikes action fast moving things you want a fast shutter speed right and so shutter speed controls the amount of light hitting your sensor the shutter speed's other superpower is to um, control movement in the frame okay it controls movement it can either stop movement or it can give the appearance of um, you know movement in the image so the second image that i've got in the show notes file is an image a landscape shot with a, a, a river running through the image and n- normally um you know water is moving and it's always got ripples and things like that but if you shoot with a very slow shutter speed and i think i was shooting at like a tenth of a second or something like that do you want to know what that sounds like tenth of a second so what was the first shutter speed? One one thousandth of the second went, right? It was very fast. Yep. Slow shutter yep. speed 
is the shutter is going to stay open for as long as I tell it to. So if I say, sorry, 10 seconds, no, for the sake of this this, um, demonstration, let's do a two (laughs) second shutter speed. Two seconds. Okay, okay. Two seconds. So yes, yes. the I'm gonna press the shutter and it's gonna ch- ch- Did you see that? <laughs> that was a two second shutter. Yes. So I press, the shutter opens, okay. ch- counts one, two, ch- it closes again. So in that two seconds, Great. the entire two seconds, light is flooding through the lens, through the hole, aperture. <laughs> Onto the sensor, right? <laughs> That's a slow shutter speed. Slow shutter speed because it's open for so long. What's happening in, in that two seconds, you can do a lot, Val. So while I'm shooting, yeah, a, a bird could have been flying by, someone on their bike could have um, ridden in front of the lens and I would have, that whole, the, the, the shutter's open for that whole two seconds. So in that time, mm. you're capturing that person riding their bike, a, a, a bird flying by, or a body of water that's constantly moving will then be photographed with that movement. And so when you've got uh, like a body of water, the sea or something like that, instead of getting all the rough and all the waves and all the water droplets, you get this mirror-like quality to the water. So all those people who you look at those beautiful landscape images and you see that mirror-like finish in the water, long shutter speed. When you see um, someone riding past and there's a little bit of motion blur in the image, slow shutter speed. Okay, does that make sense? Yeah. So there's also a little yeah. diagram where I've uh, taken the cap of my Canon and I've spun it around and you can see um, what it looks like at the different shutter speeds. So if I shoot at a longer, uh, like a slower shutter speed of say one fifteenth of a second, you can see the motion blur as it spins around. As I get faster, like one one twenty fifth of a second, and I'm starting to freeze the action, but there's still a little bit of motion blur. And if I want to completely freeze the action, I need to shoot at a faster shutter speed of around one one thousandth of a second. Fast, right? Fast, and it freezes the action. So shutter speed controls action or blur, it or motion blur, so freezes action or at a fast shutter speed or at a slow shutter speed gives you motion blur and it also lets light in. The slower the shutter speed, the more light enters the, the sensor. The faster the shutter speed, the less light enters the sensor, okay? So we've I love covered, all the sound effects. I think they're good. I think the sound effects are necessary, Val, so that you can visualize okay. the mechanics of the camera. <laughs> I don't fully understand mm-hmm. the science behind how these bits and pieces move, but I think this is a slightly easier way for creatives to comprehend what's going on. This information is power. Great. So aperture controls yes. how whether how sharp or blurry the image is going to be, okay? How many parts of the image are going to be sharp? So whether you've got an image that's sharp all the Mm. way through or just a portion of the image like the eyes or the face and then the background goes out of focus, that's controlled by aperture. How uh, sharp 
uh, whether you've got motion blur or a complete or you freeze action, that's controlled by shutter speed, right? All right. Uh-huh. Yes. So next, ISO. This is how ISO ISO also covers um, light. So it allows light onto your frame, but it also controls how sensitive to light your file is. So I've got in the show notes, I've got Captain America, okay? And um, if you can imagine ISO is like a dimmer that controls how sensitive uh, to light your camera is going to be. So the higher the ISO, the more light sensitive your image is going to be. So think think of the ISO as like the number of light bulbs in your image. So if you've got a hundred ISO image, you've got a hundred light bulbs. Okay. If you've got an eight hundred ISO image, mm-hmm. eight hundred light bulbs. So more light bulbs, it lets more light in. So the higher the ISO, the more light sensitive your your camera like is going to be. Okay? <laughs> more light, more sensitive. Okay? That's so good. you get you'll get a brighter yes. image. However, Val, it comes at a cost. However. Okay? So the higher yes. and I will just interject to say that I've just Googled that ISO stands for International Organization for Standardization. Because prior to that, there was an ASO, American yeah. and a German, and a German, uh, there were American and German standards for, you know, measuring light mm-hmm. sensitivity, and they were obviously different, so they needed to standardise. And they it got the uh, the letters the in the wrong order. <laughs> so yes. Steve, it Steve, was, probably... was that you again? <laughs> so Steve, responsible for, let's call it. Um, ISO, but let's, it doesn't stand for that. Let's name it something else so that no one's got a clue what we're talking about. Let's also call Shutter Priority AV. Yeah, that sounds really good. Good on you, Steve. Um, it was probably, it's probably Swiss or something in the, you know, the words are the other way around in the other language. <laughs> yeah, right. Got no hope. So... That was really good, though, Val. Like fact checking there. <laughs> so the anyway, superpower, yes. the number of, of ISO, is it's going to make your camera more sensitive to light. So where does this come in handy? It comes in handy if you are walking to a very, very dark room. You don't have a flash, but you want to capture the image regardless and there might be like a little bit of light sprinkled around and you just want to use available light, you crank up your ISO. So like, you know, you were outside, you were shooting at 100 ISO because the sun's out, it's very bright, and then you move inside and suddenly it's very dark. So you go, oh, I need my I need my exposure to be brighter, so I'm going to crank up my ISO. So it's going to make your image more sensitive to light. However, the other superpower that it has is the higher you go with your ISO, so the higher your ISO is, the more noise or grain, the the appearance of grain you're going to get in your digital file. So, and and you know what? Still to this day, with all the cameras are so good that you know 
it's it's still barely noticeable at very high ISO. So I've got Captain America in the show notes, Val, and I've taken an image at 100 ISO, which you can see is super clean and there's zero, really zero grain or noise that you can see. At 800 ISO, you can start to see in the whites a little bit of grain. So it's like um, it, it looks like old film grain, but it's actually digital noise. So there's like little dots. So it looks grainy or noisy. Yes. And as we go to 2000 ISO, you start to notice more. And then obviously at 8000 mm. ISO, um, it looks grainy as dog's cojones there. So you can really see how much <laughs> grain is going on. Now... It's not that bad because it's like everyone's like, oh, noise, 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 noise. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. Mm. And there is software that can minimize the appearance of noise. And so a lot of people freak out about, oh, I don't want my image to be too noisy. It's better to have a noisy image that's sharp and you actually nail the shot Mm. than one that is uh, perfectly exposed. Everything's technically correct, but you miss the focus because you were shooting at too slow a shutter Mm. speed or an aperture so uh, embrace the high ISO and um, you know a really good thing is if your camera goes up to 40,000 ISO test it out see what happens guess what your camera the world won't end your camera won't explode and no one's going to point their finger and laugh at you if you do this experiment and it's actually really good to know what your camera is capable of don't just take everyone else's word for it and you know there's all these rules of thumb you know don't go over 400 ISO or don't go over 800 ISO go over crank it up crank it up to 40,000 ISO and take a shot you might absolutely love it you might hate it but test it out and see what your camera is capable of and the beauty is that you can experiment and you can give it a go because compared to a million years ago when we first started, you know, with cameras, you had to actually choose your ISO, choose your film of 36 or, or 15 or whatever it was um, frames at the start and load your camera with that ISO and had to stick with it for the entire roll and shoot the entire role in that ISO. But these days, when that's when it's all digital, you can change your ISO between every shot. And so you have the opportunity to, to experiment. As and genocide. the uh, noise levels in digital files is just like, it just gets less and less and less and less. You know, 15 years ago, mm. I would be afraid to go over ISO 400 on a camera because it just looked terrible. Nowadays, you know, I could quite mm. comfortably shoot at 2,000 um, ISO and it's it's fine, 4,000 ISO, it looks fine, you know. So don't, don't be afraid right. to experiment with that, okay? Mm. So um, the it. higher the ISO, the grainier or more noise in the image. So... Um, have a play around with the ISO and have a check what you get. So um, if you're out and about and you're shooting outside, 
a good starting point is to set your ISO at around 100 when I'm shooting inside and it might be a, a room where there's also windows, I might shoot at around 400 ISO. So they're my two settings and if it's um, extreme low light situations, then I might set the camera to ISO 1600 or higher. So this is at a starting point. That's the starting point. Now, let's bring it all together. Okay, so okay, got our it camera. Together. It's set to manual mode. Yep. In front of you now, you should have something that you can photograph. So what I want you to do, uh, have a tree, have, a, you know, a, 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 the, the, the clothesline outside, there might be a statue, something that you can photograph easily that's not going to move or go away so that you can keep photographing it until you're, you're happy with it. So you select your ISO based on how much light is available. So if you're listening to this in the daytime and um, you're, you might be sitting outside uh, on your balcony or in your backyard and there might be something um, that you can photograph, then um, point your camera at that. If it's outside, set your ISO to 100. If you're inside and you've got a window by you, it's still bright, but you're inside, then set your ISO to 400. And if you happen to be listening to this at night and you're inside, then maybe set your ISO to somewhere around 800 to 1600. All right. So they're the three parameters. Yeah. Now, next, you're going to select your aperture based on how you want your image to look. So we're going to make a decision. We're going to pre-visualize how we want our image to look. So let's just say I've got, um, I am inside and I've got uh, Jad from accounts has come over. I had a few, um, <laughs> had a few accountants contact me that they're very proud to be accountants. And like you're an ex-accountant, Val, <laughs> and you know that um, in all my hanging it on Jan, I'm, I'm actually do love Jan from accounts. And um, you know that mm. I did enroll in a bachelor of accounting. I so I was a du double degree. I was <laughs> the teaching degree and the accounting degree. And in the eleventh hour, I ended up dropping out of the accounting degree. But for a while there. <laughs> I was nearly an accountant, so I could have been a Jan of accounts. And I you was, were. I yeah. was an accountant. So, so um, I do love accountants. Don't please don't get me wrong. When <laughs> I, I but but Jan from accounts <laughs> is just one of the characters that lives in my head. So amongst all the others, so so, <laughs> she hears voice. so Jan from accounts. They probably they, they mainly come out of her wall. I've sat in her lounge room and heard voices coming out of her yes. wall. Yes, um, they're actually the <laughs> So I've gone around to Jan uh, Jan's house, and uh, I'm in her um, her uh, display room. She has a display room, and on the wall, Jan collects those little dolls, uh, porcelain dolls. She's got hundreds <laughs> of them, and. Um, they creep me out. So there's two ways that I can I can decide. Like because Jan is now saying I love my dollies, and I want you to photograph oh them. She said it in that voice, which is kind of creepy. I do love Jan, but sometimes creepy. she's like, I love all my dollies. Photograph my dollies. Okay, okay. so. Oh Jan God, is like, so you can imagine the back wall where there's uh, shelves and shelves and shelves, floor to ceiling, and there are like 300 dolls on the back wall, her doll collection. I brought Jan um, 
uh, a little bit away from the background so that she's the hero of the shot and she's slightly to the side. So I've composed my image. Now I need to decide how do I want the image to look? Now, if it was me shooting it and I was taking a portrait of Jan, I personally would blur all the dolls out because they creep me out. But because Jan has asked me to take the photo and include the dolls, I need to have the dolls sharp in the frame. So based on that, I go back to my formula and I need more parts of my image in focus. So I need to pick an aperture that's going to make Jan sharp and the dolls in the background sharp. Okay. So would I use a small number or a big number? Val, I need more images in the frame to be in focus. So when I'm choosing my aperture, is it going to be one of the smaller numbers or one of the bigger numbers? Right. Big. So I need to then, I choose my aperture based on the fact that I want the background sharp and Jan sharp. So I'm going to shoot at F11. Okay. A bigger number because I want it all to be sharp all the way through. So I've got my ISO at 400. I've selected my aperture at F, uh, F11 because I want everything to be sharp in the image. And now I've got one more picture in the puzzle. And what's that? What's the third part of, of um, the puzzle, Val? What's missing? I've set my ISO. I've set my aperture. Now what? Set shutter my shutter speed. speed. Okay. This is where it gets easy. So 400 ISO because I'm inside. F11 because um, I've got a uh, – because I, Jan wants everything sharp in the image. So I've got a higher f-stop, so my image is going to be sharp all the way through. Now, to get the correct exposure, the final piece in the puzzle is my shutter speed. And so what I do now is I look into the camera and if you look, um, as you're looking through the viewfinder, you'll see that uh, on the inside of the camera, you've got a, a light meter. And Okay, so it'll have a zero, it'll have a couple of squares and a plus one on one to the right or to the left if you nick on. Get it together, guys. Why can't you just all do the same thing? Why? <laughs> Makes it so much easier. All right, so there'll be a zero. You'll have a couple of black squares, plus one and a plus two. And then going the other way, you'll have minus one and minus two. That's your camera's light meter. We're now shooting in manual mode. The training wheels are off. We get to control how this image looks now. And so the final piece of the puzzle is I've got my ISO set to 400. I've got my aperture set to F11. Now all I need to do is get my shutter speed right. And I've shot this little baby in manual mode. So all I do is I look down at my, um, at my, um, meter, camera meter inside the camera. Mm -hmm. And all I need to do is change the shutter speed until that little dial in the middle sits under the zero, okay? So you might find uh -huh. that like from whatever shutter speed you had set before, you might find that that little um, dial is all the way to the left or all the way to the right. But all you mm -hmm. need to do is just change the shutter speed until you get it in the middle. So like I would imagine that ISO 400, F11, mm -hmm. 
Uh, you might need a shutter speed of, say, you know, a 30th of a second or a 15th of a second. It depends how much light is in the room to get the correct exposure, but that's all you do. Now, just imagine I wanted Jan mm. to be in focus, but I wanted everything else in the room to be out of focus. What would I change, Val, if I want Jan to be in focus and everything in the room to be out of focus? Going to keep my ISO the you same. Would what would I change? Your aperture. aperture. The opening, right? So I'm going to open it up. So I'm going to go from f11 to f2.8 and I'm focusing on Jan's eyes. And now all of a sudden um, I've gone from Jan being in focus and the background being in focus to just Jan in focus. Now there's a problem. What I've done is I've opened up to f2.8. The shutter speed now, what do I do to get this image correctly exposed? You have to move it to the middle. Okay, so I need to change my shutter speed until that meter, till the till it's uh, registered over the zero. Okay, so I might have a shutter speed of one fifteenth of a second. What I've done is I've just opened up the opening, the aperture, and I'm letting more light in. Okay. The shutter speed is also letting light in, so to counter what I've done with the aperture, I need to make my shutter speed faster until it measures zero on the light meter. Does that make sense? Makes so great sense. Love you it. can listen to this a hundred times. You can think that maybe you don't un you understand it or maybe you don't. Take Five minutes, take 10 minutes, get your camera out. Mm. Don't bother about getting one of your kids or your long-suffering partner or the poor pets to pose <laughs> for you. Just get a bowl of fruit, an apple, a figurine, anything. It doesn't matter and practice this technique. It's going to make it a lot easier, less confusing in these early days that you have the light coming in behind you. So you've got simple, flat, even lighting, but have a go. Set your ISO, set your aperture based on how you want your image to look and then adjust your shutter speed till you get the, the light meter correct. Now, there are next stages to all of this, but this is the basic, basic way for you to sh start shooting in manual mode. And from here on, on in, if this all clicks, then go back and listen to all 350-odd <laughs> episodes of the podcast because <laughs> I'll take that one skill that you just learnt today in 10 minutes and you will be able to apply, you know, how to create starbursts, how to expose for skin tone, how to, um, you know, shoot with high ISO, how to freeze action, all the tutorials that we've ever done that rely on you shooting in manual mode, you'll now be able to do them. And can you imagine how much you're going to strut around when you've mastered manual mode. So give it a go. Post your images in the um, Facebook groups, the So You Want to Be a Photographer Facebook group. I don't care if they're of superheroes, apples. I don't actually care about the pretty pictures. I want to know that you've got the technique uh, right. Uh, and if you're too shy to post, send me an email with your images. I'd love to see you news, see them, news at ginamilitia.com. So there you go, Val. I hope that uh, so, so news. news. That's N-E-W-S yes. at ginamilitia.com. Shooting in Brilliant. manual mode. Yes. 
So good. I mean, like I said, um, it was your explanation of how it all worked together that made that made it click for me. Um, and it's so such an invaluable lesson to learn. So I hope everyone gets a lot out of this. And as Gina said, you know, I mean, some of you will get it straight away and some of you because you're maybe distracted and you're off for a walk or you're making sure your dog is is doing poos in the yeah. right place, um, you might have to listen to it again and that's okay because it's definitely worth it. So, all right. So, Gina, what are you doing in the coming week? I've got footballers to photograph, you know, which any red-blooded guy would be so excited and it's just like, yeah, right, okay, footballers. So I'm excited about lighting and all of that, but, you know, really, it's <laughs> Where will you be one of the them? Like major kind of AFL, our football league at their headquarters where they train, where all the action happens. And they're big boys. They're like it's it for, for like, a um, a campaign. So it'll be billboards across the country. So, um, cool. yeah, this is, uh, I think, the third year I've done this with them. So I start to remember their names because I didn't have a clue who anyone was and I could be standing in front of, like, the champion of the league and I talk to them about cooking. I go, yes. what's your favourite um, recipe to cook? And I think they enjoy that that, that someone's not – fan girling out all over them because I don't know who they yes. are. I think they find it refreshing to talk about their recipes instead. <laughs> what are you up to, Val? <laughs> well, once um, I had to produce a shoot, so I wasn't doing the photography, um, but I was just organising the shoot of these, photogra- of, uh, of these AFL players. And it was the same because AFL is much more dominant in your state and I live in a different state. And so I had to fly to Melbourne to organize the shoot and we were shooting this guy who happened to be uh, a, a flatmate um, well not a flatmate a housemate of um, of another AFL player so I was being very polite and the the other AFL player it was his house um, we were shooting in his house and I was saying oh so what do you do <laughs> <laughs> and he was the captain yes. of the- <laughs> of the team and um he said oh, i play football as well and he said oh have you been doing it long and, and i had no idea it was shane crawford but anyway um oh, they that was would a long love time that. ago obviously <laughs> all right so um and I know you've been doing a lot of cool stuff with the gold community as well, right, Gina? Oh, yeah, heaps. It's like um, I, I am so proud of like – so a lot of them now have been – even the ones with a little bit more experience under their belt have been working through the Zero to Hero course that I've created. So that's getting them all Great. off uh, just shooting in daylight and shooting with flash. And a lot of them um, that, uh, you know, thought they knew – uh, lighting have just been like that the takeaways have been incredible and also giving them the tools that they need to be able to wherever they go and it's like you know there is a very um i have a consistent uh protocol that i follow for all my lighting and i've got i'm just drilling that in there is a consistent backup protocol there is a consistent way that you do white balance there is a consistent way that you expose 
your images and then you add light and following this protocol they can now go anywhere in any lighting situation whether it's kaka light or there's good light and they can make the call they can decide how do i want my image to look what how am i going to light this image and they get it right and they're getting consistent results and it's just blowing me away at how well they're all doing and we've got all ages and all skill levels so we have you know people in their uh, 20s all the way into their 80s that are that are working in the goal community and then then we've got absolute beginners that are just uh, getting their still got their training wheels on and they might be part auto part um, manual mode and then we've got uh, you know veterans that are you know in their sixth seventh eighth year of shooting and and producing uh, amazing work but they still uh, need that little guidance and help to get them on their way I love it I love it I love seeing everyone in the gold community develop and if you want to find out a little bit more about the gold community have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community as a gold member, you can learn at your own pace and skill level. Here's what Pauline Clem had to say. While I'm a firm believer in having a mentor, you know, I came to photography when I was 54 and I just felt like I was running out of time. And I just thought I need to accelerate my learning and this is the way I'm going to do it. And I joined and, yeah, haven't looked back. First of all, I love the fact that it's a global community. The body of knowledge that is there um, at my fingertip, you know, you come back, you listen again, and all of a sudden it's making more sense to you and you're thinking, oh, of course, that's, you know, that's what I need to do. So the feedback's very quick when you need it. Sometimes you'll get back within the hour, almost always. The presets, the tutorials, it's all there. Instead of running around getting information from here, different websites, different books, everything I need is in one place. And the other great benefit, of course, for me was doing the Sicilian workshop this year. That was a life-changing event. My photography is totally different. Uh, so, you know, I really credit being a member of the Gold community. That's what it's done. It's great value and I, I love being in it. What more can I say? You know, it's changed my life, really. And um, I think I'll be there for good. <laughs> you won't get rid of me. I would say if you're sitting on the fence, um, just jump in. If you'd like to find out more about the Gold community, head to ginamilitia.com and click on Memberships. All right, so that brings us to the end of the episode. Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com, so that's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm at Gina Militia on all social media, and if you want to take your photography to the next level, then I'd love the opportunity to work with you. You can go to and uh, work with you in the gold community. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on Memberships. What about you, Val? You'll find me at Valerie Koo, that's K-H-O-O, on Twitter and Instagram and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit GinaMilitia.com. 